Looking to step up your Mother's Day flowers? The Home Depot has an idea. Let Mom's Green Thumb do some digging with colorful flowers, pots, and premium soils to bring out the most in her patios, walkways, and gardens. Right now, get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 for strong, healthy, vibrant plants, indoors and outside. Shop our wide selection online and pick up your order in-store and give Mom the gift of a beautiful garden. Get Vigoro Potting Soil just $8.97 at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. See homedepot.com slash delivery for details. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Welcome to this week 11 edition of A Good Football Show. I am your host, Patrick Darty, joined today by Mr. Denny Carter. We will be taking a spin through this week's biggest headlines, including the Rams' struggles, Aaron Jones' injury, and the potential returns of Saquon Barkley and Clyde Edwards-Elair. Remember him? Only the Zoomers uh, won't remember him. Right. We will then welcome in NBC Sports Edge contributor Rivers McCown. That is his real name, the best name in the NBC Sports Edge Extended Universe to take a rest-of-season look at fantasy overachievers and whether they might regress down the stretch. I don't know if I explained Denny's concept correctly there. He's going to explain it in the second <laughs> half of the show. Who knows? But, Denny, you know, we spent most of the past week or two on these shows, you know, reminiscing about only things 90s kids will remember. Right. And, you know, that's just, like, focused on a very narrow demographic. You know, it's only, like, a certain segment of the audience. So I thought today – we should let's reminisce about things only 1890s kids will remember. And uh, what are some of your fond memories from the final decade of the 19th century? Oh, well, obviously, we want to appeal to people in their 130s. Yes, um, big, you know, big part. I mean, they love you. Uh, yeah, they that do. Segment of our audience loves you. Really, really into my uh, my humor and and you know and buying a lot of stuff. You know, advertisers love 130 year olds. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, 1890s, there's a lot, there's a lot to remember. Uh, we can reminisce about, you know, the, the birth of basketball, you know, Dr. James Naismith uh, trying to figure out what to do on a rainy day during gym class and, you know, throwing balls into a hoop or I'm sorry, peaches, peach basket, a, peach, peach basket. basket. Yeah. Okay. I had a peach so. basket hoop at my tenement uh, in yeah. you know, Philadelphia back then. That's um, right. So my entire middle school basketball career was was just the was the was the peach basket. Uh, you have, uh, you know, Coke was, was finally put into bottles, you know, after years of, of having to get it on the black market. You finally could just go into the store and buy a bottle of Coke. When we, we forget that. Yeah, the pharmacy. I mean, uh, uh, you know, Zoomers, they won't remember when like the pharmacists hoarded the, the soda recipes and you yeah. can only go down to the pharmacy and get a Coke. You couldn't buy it at home. Uh, you, know, you couldn't drink it. It's funny that you mentioned basketball because I remember back then. I mean, Zoomers probably don't remember the Coast Guard used to have a football team, and I was on the Coast Guard football team. And it's what I remember now. You can look at a Wikipedia, but we beat the United States Postal Service football team mm-hmm. nine years in a row. 
Uh, we were the two best teams in the country is by a combined score of 27 to 18. We kicked one field goal. They got a safety every game. Right. But by far the biggest glory years for the Coast Guard football. This bit is dying. Yeah, well, it, um, it, it's, it's like watching a Giants game. If you want to relive the Coast Guard football uh, games, you just t- tune into the Giants this week. Yeah, people, before World War II, the Postal Service and the Coast Guard basically traded national championships <laughs> in NCAA Division Four. And, and, of course, we took the, you know, the Transcontinental Railroad to the Arizona Territory, took part in some really brutal strikes. Um, yes, just, yeah, right. a lot of things. It's the 1890s, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we just thought we'd spread it around. I, I, you know, I wasn't sure if we were going to reminisce about all the blood spilled by people trying to unionize back then, but you know, it yeah, it, yeah, it, it did happen, and then we shouldn't forget it. There's some interesting Wikipedia's on that. No, yes, there uh, is. Yeah, rather violent period of American history. Um, but I was about to make a horrible transition that I could. I'm just going to transition. Yeah. To the law. I almost called the team the St. Louis Rams. I'm going to see wow. where my mind is at here in Week 11. Danny, the Los Angeles Rams have gotten blown out in back-to-back games. Matthew Stafford's tossed only two touchdowns to four interceptions in that time. Robert Woods is on injured reserve. Odell Beckham is still learning the system. Is this a fantasy offense that has already peaked for 2021 and maybe want to fade in the second half of the season? I was afraid when the Titans uh, beat them thoroughly at home uh, two Sunday nights ago that – you know, the the film had been seen, uh, would be seen after that on how to beat the Rams. And, you know, per some observers, columnists for NFL Network and other outlets, the way to beat the Rams is to get physical with them, both on offense and defense, is to blitz, is to get in Stafford's face, is to blow up all their, or all their fancy schmancy offensive stuff that Sean McVay likes to do to, to get technical. And not like uh, Cooper Cup does run wide open as lots of teams still do. Right. And I, I have a, a thing on Cooper Cup in a second, but and and it seems it seems to have worked for the 49ers who looked to completely overwhelm and overmatch the Rams on on Monday night football. Uh, I think the only, you know, unless changes are made and the Rams go into their bye week this week. So so we we have to give Sean McVay some credit for possibly uh, you know, making the necessary changes to get back on track. I'm not saying that's impossible, but if things don't really change down the road, the only fantasy player in this offense that can survive this is Cooper Cup. And we saw that last night against the Niners. And yeah, so you made it. So the Titans thing, what's interesting about these struggles is that there's been both one before and after Robert Woods' injury. So the Titans shellacking, that was with the Rams, same group of players we've known all year. So you can't blame it on Robert Woods being out. You can't blame it on Odell Beckham coming in and like ruining the system, which you know, which was a popular narrative during Monday Night Football. On Troy, Troy Aikman did, by the way. Yeah, he's he's already a cancer. He's already ruined the team somehow. Yeah. Uh, that was he did have a miscommunication on Matthew Stafford's first interception, but uh, yeah, so this, you can't blame this all on Odell Beckham. And someone pointed out to me on Twitter that this has happened since Matthew Stafford popped up in the injury report with his back two mm-hmm. weeks ago which is definitely alarming. I mean, the guy, he's like 33 now. He's had back injuries several seasons running, including a broken back, you know, at one point, like the old Tony Romo injury. So that's kind of concerning. But what is not concerning is like you said, they could their buy quite literally could not be a better time. Yeah, You get drubbed twice, once on the, once on the road, once at home. Uh, so they can, they can, the problem is the Rams are famous for not adjusting. Yes, uh, Sean right. they're famous for being an execution based offense, not an adjustment based offense. Sean McVay has 
like the ultimate faith that he can just out execute you. And he, I mean, he usually does I mean like 70 to 80% of the time. This is his fifth year now. He's definitely one of the best coaches in the NFL, but I think they're going to have to make some adjustments and I'm not a football guy, so I can't really suggest what any of those would be. Um, but yeah, how do we feel about Daryl Henderson? Daryl Henderson, a guy who like was running really hot for a while, but the touch counts have never really gotten into RB one territory seems like they still don't fully trust him as an every down role. Would he be someone maybe to sell high on heading into the fantasy playoffs? Uh, well, I, I mean, you're not, the th- problem is you're not selling high, you know, you're, you're, you're selling pretty low after the past two weeks. Um, you know, the, the Rams head into almost every week as pretty big favorites as they did against the 49ers. Uh, well, actually they were only three and a half point favorites for some reason, but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, so it looks like, they would have the kind of game script that would allow Daryl Henderson to see, uh, you know, a good number of carries, a good number of touches overall. Um, it hasn't worked out the past couple of weeks. And honestly, even in good matchups because of, you know, little minor injuries and, and perhaps concern about his long-term health, which Sean McVay has mentioned as, as far back as August, uh, that uh, even in those matchups, he he wasn't fed the ball like he 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 wasn't like he didn't become the centerpiece of the offense. That's Cooper Cup, and it, it will be going forward. Uh, you know, as far as like trading him right now um, before your your league's trade deadline, which is probably coming up pretty soon. I guess you know you should look into it. <laughs> but uh, I, I'm thinking that your league mates might be savvy enough to say, uh, you know, let me try to get Daryl Henderson on the cheap. And one thing I'll say, too, about the Rams is this isn't their first two-game period of struggling. They had that stretch where they got shellacked by the Cardinals, didn't look very good in the first half, then the following week against the Seahawks. They got it figured out after that, but it was against the Giants, Lions, and Texans. Yeah. And then these recent struggles began. Now they go into the bye. They come out of bye against the Packers, a team that has been really good at suppressing the pass this year. So, yeah, I feel like there may be some actual issues here because, yeah, the, the recent hot streak was against maybe the three worst teams in the league. So, I have to say the, the, the in-season building of a super team with signing Von Miller, with, with bringing in Odell Beckham, I'm not criticizing those moves, but I'm just I'm, I'm highly skeptical of, of a team's ability to build a, a, a team. If, if this had happened in the offseason, I think it's different. But having bringing in these guys and being like, you know, defense, you have a new star. Offense, you have a new star. Go ahead and go ahead and keep doing what you're doing is uh, a tall task, to put it mildly. And it seems to fail every time. And by the way, just I think the lesson of the past two weeks is just never try to improve your depth because uh, the, the Saints, they trade for Mark Ingram, then Alvin Kamara suddenly gets hurt. It's almost like nature's being like, see? Uh, yeah. Look what happened. And now the same thing. You trade for Otto Beckham and Bob Woods tears his ACL without even playing a game. Well, it's, it's Just like don't in- tempt fate. Just just be superstitious. Don't yeah. tempt fate. Yeah, that's per the analytics. Uh, yeah. Don't, don't tempt fate. Uh, it's like in fantasy when you roster someone, like a running back, who you're like, I will literally never have the chance to play this guy. One week later, you're like, yes. oh, thank God. I have this guy who's going to see six touches. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's solely because you added them and then you got your star hurt when you made that depth addition. So it's actually your fault. Speaking of depth additions, A.J. Dillon has been on benches for a long time. Aaron Jones is set to miss the next one to two weeks with with what is apparently the fourth sprained MCL of his career. It seemed like a more than a normal amount of sprained MCLs. And with that history, it seems like a very I was surprised to see only one to two weeks. Hopefully he does not land on injured reserve, but with Aaron Jones out for the next week or two, Denny, is 
and as simple as AJ Dillon just being a plug and play RB one and watching him explode basically. Yes. Yes, it is. We're talking all the past catching work. We're talking all the goal line touches that he can handle. He, he scored twice right after Aaron Jones left the game against Seattle. So yeah, I mean, uh, who would you rather start say in PPR formats, the only legitimate scoring system, who would you rather start over Dylan? I, I would start Christian McCaffrey and I would start Jonathan Taylor and that's it. That's the list. Really? Well, I mean, I'd probably still start Najee Harris. I'd probably still start Dalvin cook. Um, that, Austin Eckler. Um, I mean, I've got him in my initial ranks. I have like the RB six or seven though, which is a lot yeah. higher than I, I get it. felt natural about. Yeah. I, I get, I get excited easily. You probably tell, <laughs> uh, but I, I, I will say where, uh, where can I get into these leagues where AJ Dillon is on the waiver wire? Because according to Yahoo, uh, he's available in 30% of leagues, 30%. He was. Yeah. Which is, uh, yeah, you know, not recommended, but you know, there are a lot of 10 team leagues out yeah. there. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of people, you know, we got some more casual players in the game that just aren't going to have someone on their bench if they're not actually producing points. You know, they got, They've got their daily worries. They've got their daily struggles, Denny. They can't be wasting time on projecting AJ Dillon. They wait till someone gets hurt and then they add him. Well, it's you know honestly, it, it might be a sign of like good mental health if, if yeah. AJ Dillon is on your waiver wire. A really good means, point, actually. Uh, your league is too yeah. well adjusted, right? Um, but for this week, yeah, I mean the Vikings are much softer against the run than the pass. And uh, so the matchup's good. The workload is almost unassailable. I mean, I yeah. Patrick Taylor, I guess, is the backup. I mean, this guy who I hey, had actually... Don't besmirch Patrick Taylor, who who will be on all my rosters. I'm sure he will. Because, yeah, you're just going to be trying to tempt fate, hoping for an A.J. Dillon. You oh, never no, that. not hoping. No. Yeah, no, hoping was strong. <laughs> 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 Especially because you probably have lots of A.J. Dillon. Um, I do. And, and I would say I'm planning. I'm planning ahead. That's what yes. I'm you got to plan you got to plan for the unexpected, the running back position. Uh, Denny, what you didn't plan for was the Chiefs storming back to <laughs> annihilate the Raiders in week 10. You pronounced that. I think you just said the Chiefs said they're dead on arrival. This is the end of the dynasty. Patrick Mahomes is no longer even a top five back. I mean, there's no way to confirm if you said these things on the podcast last week. Uh, yeah. there, there is a way. Here's what I said. I'll be, I'll be upfront with everybody who, and I'm sure everybody remembers it. Cause they've, they've let me know, know about it on Twitter. Uh, as you, as you might expect, I said that you, you might consider high end streaming options over Patrick Mahomes. Well, that didn't work out. That did not work out this week. Patrick Mahomes, uh, threw five touchdowns and 700 yards against the, <laughs> yes. uh, <laughs> so, against the so yeah, I, I was in the middle of that. I, I didn't, I didn't rank him behind the high-end streamers, but I didn't rank him in his normal spot. I hedged at RB9. And is this as simple what happened with the Chiefs of the Raiders? So, you know, everyone knows it's the cover two shell now that has been slowing down the Chiefs. The Raiders don't do that. You know, they probably should have done that, but it's not as simple as just totally changing up you know, your defense on the fly. And was the, the Chiefs explosion just as simple as the Raiders not making that adjustment that the rest of the league has made? Or is there is there reason to think this – was like independent of what the Raiders were doing and the chiefs are you know, finally getting their swagger back. I, I don't know if I'm on board with the complete swagger back situation with, uh, with the chiefs. It is, it is curious that the Raiders didn't just do what all the other chiefs opponents have done over the past month and put two guys 80 yards off the line of scrimmage. Um, <laughs> but they didn't. And, and Mahomes took advantage. Mahomes. I think, I do think he was more patient in this game and 
you know, Andy Reid, here's, here's something that I, I didn't fully factor in. I just talked about Sean McVay's, uh, you know, offensive, I don't, could we, should we say genius, uh, his, his, his good offensive mind, okay? Well, I didn't fully factor in the fact that Andy Reid is an actual offensive genius, and he was going to make adjustments, and, I, and, and he did. You know, there was more uh, involvement from the second tight end, uh, for, for Kansas City, whose name I can't remember at this moment. You had uh, Jarek McKinnon catching passes. Obviously, Darrell Williams caught a ton of passes underneath. Nine. Yeah, against against Vegas. So, uh, you know, th- those adjustments were made. So maybe if we can keep this patience up, um, you know, we can continue to kind of accumulate these stats for Mahomes rather than the monster chunk plays that we've gotten used to over the past three years. See, Reed is an offensive genius, but he is a little similar to Sean McVay in that he's usually an, like an execution guy instead of an adjustment guy. And, you know, they were getting killed for not making the adjustments. And they did. They, they, they were like willingly accepting being put in like third and short more often. You know, they weren't trying to get the first down on the first two plays. Yeah. This like, it seemed like they went slightly more station to station against the Raiders, even though, they had the monster statistical night. They, they were okay getting to third down occasionally. And, you know, normally we hate third downs. We don't We don't ever even want to think about third down. We want a 20-yard no. pass every single play. But that did seem to be one of the adjustments they made, as evidenced by the fact that, you know, they're targeting Darrell Williams nine or ten times. They were just a little more comfortable, like, just going step by step, which is not fun. We don't want the Chiefs to have to do that. But they needed to do that, and they did it with ruthless efficiency. Destroyed yeah. the Raiders. Now they get a team in the Cowboys that has some big-time defensive playmakers. Has been been run very well by Dan Quinn this year. Uh, so it's going to be a big test on Sunday night's Cowboys. Then they go on by and come out against Vic Fangio, you know, one of the better defensive minds in the NFL. And then the Raiders again. So it could be a while before we get like a final answer on this Chiefs. But I'm like, if they turn the Cowboys game into a shootout. That's uh, gonna be pretty safe to say they are back. God, um, please, please be a shootout for just one time. Yeah. And by the way, so with the Chiefs, I, I'll keep in this CEH, Clyde Edwards yeah. Elair is probably back this week. What do you feel comfortable calling him going forward? Uh, like, my initial ranks this week, I thought I, I'd been prepared for a while to have CEH like high in the ranks when he came back. But then Darrell Williams went out, you know, he did what he had like never really done before and caught a million passes. Now I'm like more conflicted about where to rank them this week specifically. And this, yeah, what would you call CEH going forward? Do you think the RB what? Like what number? We talk RB2, RB3, what range? Yeah, right, right. Uh, well, I, I think Williams probably showed enough uh, to take away a lot, if not all of the pass catching action for CEH upon his return. He won't take away all the pass. No, not all. That's, that's, that's an overstatement. You're right. You're right. But you know, for a team that doesn't run a whole lot, that really limits uh, CEH's both his floor and and his ceiling really, uh, I guess RB three. Is that what you're thinking? I was thinking more like RB two, three borderline because Darrell Williams could still have the advantage near the goal line. It's not like Darren Williams never got targets before, but he never had like a spiked target week. Really, he'd been kind of consistently in like that four target range, but now after that kind of pass catching performance, yeah, I was kind of expecting Ch you know to come back as like the cover two shell buster. Yeah, and be getting like seven to eight targets, but now maybe he could it could be like a jet situation like his with Michael Carter and Ty Johnson where they're both getting a lot of weekly targets like four to five, but that ceiling is gone because they're splitting the backfield targets, and it definitely. Maybe it's an overreaction, but like Sunday night definitely gave me like immediate RB2 plug and play pa- pause with CH, which had been my initial plan for his return. Daryl, 
seemed like he's kind of running on fumes. You know, anytime you're losing touches to Derek Gore, that's not really a good sign. But it's just, it was a good enough performance that now I'm like kind of in a holding pattern with we'll C. But I think you can trust him as a flex against yeah, the Cowboys I, for what should be a track meet. Right, right. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I, if I had CEH anywhere, I would not be thrilled about him coming back. I think it would, it's going to create some very difficult start sit decisions. I can see our Sunday morning show being yeah. uh, entirely Clyde Edwards, Elaire season. What's your improvement on being entirely Tyler Johnson season? That's um, true. That was actually more my Friday chat. And I don't, I don't blame the folks. They thought Chris Godwin wasn't playing. Right. right. Um, and you know, that's just fa- that's fantasy for you. Uh, suddenly is. Tyler Johnson is the most critical player on your team. <laughs> and we just, a sport. It's a game. We just all love. We love it. Denny next Monday against the bucks should be Saquon. Bar- well, I mean this Monday, uh, I don't know. I losing track of time. Uh, Monday against the Bucks should be Saquon Barkley's first game back since his fluke high ankle sprain in week five. Do you feel comfortable calling Saquon Barkley an RB one or no? I do. Yes. Uh, I, you know, he, he was trending way up before that fluky injury stepped on a guy's foot, you know, yeah, I mean, and then just five weeks, man, just, just like, come on. God, I mean, <laughs> what horrific luck. Anyway, yeah, no, I, I think that he steps if he if he's fully healthy and and it I steps. Come on, be careful with that word around Saquon Barkley. We don't ever hear the word steps again. True, true, and and we I think we need we need the Giants need to designate someone on offense to guide Barkley around the field after the play to make sure he's not stepping on anybody's cleats. <laughs> Frankly, um, irresponsible. They're just cheap for they didn't have that coach to begin with. That um, you he know, sprints onto the field, he guides him off. And I've been saying it for a month, and no yeah, one's listening. Any and, pinching by the Giants, yeah. And uh, but yeah, I, I think that he takes over the the pass catching role. He takes over the, the whole the whole deal once again. He gets all the backfield. You know, I, I think that just the way that you were excited about him before that latest injury, you you get re excited about you know his prospects for the rest of the season. I'm sorry, this is obvious. Some of these, but I'll, I'll ask you. It's like this week in particular. Would you start Saquon Barkley over Mark Ingram if Alvin Kamara sits again? The Saints are playing the Eagles. Yes, I, I would. Yeah. Would you start Saquon Barkley over Leonard Fournette against the Giants? Yes. Would you start him over Elijah Mitchell against the Jaguars? He just had 27 carries. Yeah, no. uh, should know. be good game script <laughs> for the 49ers. I'm not going to get cute. I'll n- I never get cute, and I'm going with Barkley. Over, okay. Over. I, and the final one, over James Conner. Well, Chase Evans is on injured reserve, so he will be sitting over James Conner against the Seahawks. Oh, that's a tough one because the Seahawks are so bad. On, well, in every facet, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, man, that's hard, but I, yeah, I still go Barkley. Yeah. That's the range of the board that Barkley's in. I actually have him only as the RB 14 right now, but I could see by the time I finalize these having him as high as the RB 11, right after Deandre Swift and Joe Mixon. Um, these are very preliminary, but that's, those are the, the, those are the decisions I think you'll be making with Saquon Barkley. If you haven't coming back and you know, most people are not going to be in the position to bench Saquon, but so you've been good on the waiver wire. You have Mark Ingram. You have James Conner. Yeah. You might have a decision to make. So those are the people you're going to be debating. With it's a good, it's a good spot to be in, honestly. You it know, to, to, to say, oh, like, who do I start, James Conner or Barkley? I, you know, I don't want to say for sure you can't go wrong because one of them might have, like, a nuclear uh, ceiling here. But uh, you you have two great options. We're getting close to Rivers McCown joining us, by the way. Rivers McCown currently in the stream here at Holding Pen. He can watch us talking. He can hear us, but he cannot join us because I have not buzzed him in. Just keeping him waiting in anticipation. 
Denny, do we feel any different about Cam Newton on the Panthers after witnessing his two touchdowns on two touches against the Cardinals? Uh, you know, the positive case is that he found the CMC checkdown religion his final mm-hmm. year in Carolina in 2018. Uh, we know the arm is gone, but this is a much better supporting cast than he had with the Patriots. Or is the arm strength that's going to be too limited for him to have any real ceiling? Did you change how you felt about Cam Newton on the Panthers after witnessing that? Yes, I did. Uh, I I have to say that even if you know I'm not I'm not not going to factor in the you know the fact that uh, Cam Newton is on a revenge tour, a league wide revenge tour from here on out. Tour. That's a good point. Okay, as we saw after his first touchdown. Uh, I mean, literally saying Cardinal. I'm back. Right, That's taking off his helmet, knowing that he's going to get penalized. Yeah. He didn't care. He took off his helmet and screamed, I'm back. That's how and, you begin a revenge tour. Did they penalize him for that, by the way? I never actually saw if they did. They I'm did, and they then didn't. Matt Rule, so the, the reporter said, you know, Matt, did you did you talk to Cam after that? He said, yeah, I said, Cam, you know, I, I don't like kicking off from the 20-yard line, so let's not do that again. And Cam's only response was, say less, say less. <laughs> Interesting. Which is, all right. Which is a great, that's a yeah, great response. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, yeah, get back to Cam Newton. First of all, an incredible matchup this week against a, a terrible Washington secondary. You wouldn't have known it last week with Tom Brady uh, struggling. He's washed, by the way, Tom Brady. Yeah, yeah um, get him out, honestly. No, I mean, <laughs> inexplicably struggling against a, a terrible Washington uh, a secondary, but they are truly bad. Uh, so Cam gets that. Also, you know, Cam's year in New England was disappointing on, on, on several levels, and including in fantasy. But his rushing prowess made him a QB1 in 12-team leagues a bunch of times. I don't have that number in front of me. I wish I did. It was, it was a but lot. A bunch it of was. times. So he had, he had a lot of down games, a lot of single-digit fantasy games, which is horrific. But, you know, that the, 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 the rushing upside is everything here. It's hard to overemphasize. Uh, so I, I do like him this week and going forward. Denny, quickly on this one, Antonio Gibson, who we all RIP'd before Washington's yeah. week nine bye, came out of bye to a really tough matchup to his most carries and most touches of the entire season. He's still, I think, at 24 carries for under 70 yards because that's what happens against the Bucks defense. Do we do we adjust up on Antonio? Is he back in an RB, RB2 land? Or is this just a situation where we have to keep continue to gather information? Because the Panthers – Another very, very tough defense. So everything went right for the football team against the Bucs. Everything. Uh, uh, they they wanted to control the ball. They wanted to bleed the clock. And that's exactly what they did against the Bucs. The Bucs ran 48, I believe, 48 offensive snaps, which is way under their weekly average. Washington's game plan going forward is going to be to do that week in and week out. Now, it's a very fragile, easily broken up approach right it, it is is just hoping that the other team can't beat your defense and keeping it on the ground uh, in games when they're able to do that yeah gibson's gonna see apparently with his shin maybe healthier after the bye week gibson might see you know 18 20 carries going forward in those situations it's when that approach doesn't work that i think gibson will be you know, subbed out will be phased out in favor of JD McKissick and a more pass heavy approach. So he, he's definitely, I, I don't think we're adjusting either way. And, and honestly, after that great performance against the bucks, which, which hinged entirely on his two touchdowns, you know, maybe, maybe you look to trade him right uh, right now. Yeah, I agree that not really, especially the formula you described got infinitely more difficult with chase young going down for the season with a knee injuries. So that's going to make 
life harder for Antonio Gibson. I just think, yeah, I think you kind of hold the line at like touch-based flex still, right? And, you know, if he does it again this week, then even if he does it again for like super low volume, he's kind of like, all right, whatever, they're going to do this. Well, it's, we're it's, going back. It's the power of goal line touches, right? I mean, w- without those touchdowns, his day is completely forgettable. It's it's terrible. 24 carries for 64 yards. He was stuffed in the backfield several times in the second half as Washington was trying to uh, you know, bleed the clock, like I said. And so those two touchdowns make all the difference. So high-value touches just mean everything for a running back, which makes him obviously viable going forward no matter the game script. We'll be right back with Rivers McCown. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Get an edge in your fantasy league with player rankings, projections, tiers, and alerts for players on your team or who you're eyeing up on the waiver wire by signing up for NBC Sports Edge Plus. And do it at a discount. Use the promo code GOOD10 and get 10% off your annual subscription. That is GOOD10 for 10% off your annual subscription to NBC Sports Edge Plus. The NFL season is in full swing, and the NBC Sports Predictor app, powered by PointsBet, has you covered with Sunday Night 7. Predict what will happen between the Steelers and Chargers this Sunday night for a chance to win up to $100,000. It is free and easy to play. Download today from your app store or visit NBCSports.com slash predictor. And starting after Thanksgiving, $1 million will be up for grabs every Sunday night. Now we would like to welcome in NBC Sports Edge contributor Rivers McCown. You may know him from our daily doses and our premium products. We know him as the man in Jack Easterby's ear. The Texans whisperer himself, Rivers, how are we doing? It's great to talk about real teams. Great to be joined by the two best mains of hair in fantasy football. You can see that I wore the hat so that I would not be shamed. (laughs) You'll be shamed because the University of Houston hat. Um, I'm sure the basketball program is about to go on probation. I don't even really know what's going on with the football team this year, to be honest. But uh, are they joining the Big 12? They're they're 8-1, Pat. They're They're going to the Big 12. It's all good. The best football team in the city. That's true. It is by far. I would like to see. Well, I wonder what the line would be on a University of Houston, Houston Texans football game right now. Uh, they, I'd say only 44 and a half for the Texans, which would just be a huge embarrassment. Uh, they beat the University of Houston, I think, 45 to three, when it should be like 112 to, to nothing. Sounds right. It's the state of the Houston Texans right now. Now, Denny, we have Rivers on to talk players who might regress in the second half of the season. Is that actually we're talking? Can you tell us what we're doing? I mean, I think Rivers and I <laughs> thought this was something different in the text thread. Yeah. You know, this morning, then in the Slack thread, you're all like, you know, throwing different looks at me. And what what are we even talking about here? Yeah. Well, we're we're, we're looking at players who are the most points over expectation, the most fantasy points over expectation through week ten. So guys who are you know vastly outperforming uh, their opportunity or or what they would be expected. Uh, to score with their, you know, targets and, and and carries and whatnot through this point in the season. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of obvious names jump out here. I think some some not so obvious names jump out. But uh, the 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 goal and the, of this exercise, I would hope, is to identify guys who you might be willing to part with 
uh, before your league's trade deadline and, uh, you know, guys who you, maybe you should temper expectations on going forward. So late, late in the first game, it's, you know, it seems like you're, you're fading Debo Samuel after he just dominated in prime time on Monday night. And it yeah. seems like you're begging to be canceled. So tell us what's going on with Debo Samuel. I know. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Debo Samuel enthusiasts are, um, enthused, uh, after, after Monday night's game. And huge of true. I saw I saw many of them coming going coming for blood uh, after Debo Samuel's performance against the Rams and for good reason it was another dominant performance from the clear cut wide receiver one for San Francisco but there are some peripheral numbers that really jump off the page in a you know less than great way for for Debo including his touchdown rate so coming into the season Debo's touchdown rate was 4.3% uh, right now through through that Rams game it's 9.3%. That is a monster increase and one that's, you know, perhaps is not sustainable. It's always sustainable. I've never seen a touchdown rate over nine come down. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, oh. uh, and another one that jumps out is that Debo Samuel's yards per route run is second in the league, only behind Deshaun Jackson. Uh, of course, Deshaun Jackson's barely been used at all uh, this season. But he, he malfunctioned. He's been sent for repairs after oh. Sunday night football. The weirdest play I think I've seen all year. Uh, anyway, uh, Debo's yards per route run sits at 3.46 right now. Uh, that's higher than his previous career high of 2.26. That is a huge increase. So there, I'll say this about Debo. If he, if that usage from Monday night persists with five carries that he got, which is just huge for a wide receiver, uh, then I think he can kind of buttress this, this possible regression that, that he could have coming. If not, I think that, you know, maybe just lower the temperature a little bit uh, for, for those who drafted him. You're not trading him, though. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm not telling you to trade Debo Samuel. I will never lower the temperature on anything. Rivers, we let we let Denny have the first and many words on Debo Samuel. Do you have do you have a case? Uh, what do we have to say on Debo Samuel, Rivers? So next gen stats runs something called uh, expected yards after catch, which is basically yards after catch that you would expect to have based on where you catch the ball. Uh, Debo is number one on that stat by a lot. So you look at that and you're like, oh man, this isn't sustainable at all. But you look at last year and you're like, oh, he did the same thing last year, didn't he? Oh, well maybe this is guy just kind of a special guy here. Just kind of a special player in a special situation. And as much as I agree that on the surface, he does look a little overvalued. I can't look at that and be, say anything, but wow, this guy is someone I want to hold on to. Yeah, and he's put in position to like he's always he's one of the best schemed guys in the entire league. Like Kyle, Shan- Kyle Shannon spends like all of his time just figuring out ways to scheme Debo Samuel into space. And you know, football fans won't know this name, and Zoomers definitely won't know this name. But you know, advanced stats are so big in baseball, and there are guys that kind of just like break the model. Like for years and years, Matt Cain's ERA never matched his FIP. And everyone's like, you can't keep getting away with this. <laughs> and he got away with it like yeah. 10 years in a row. And maybe that's just what's happening with Debo Samuel. And maybe it's because of the way he's used. So, I mean, Rivers, I mean, are you, you're not trading Debo Samuel. I mean, you're not being sacrilegious, are you? No, of course not. I'm not trading Debo Samuel. I'm holding on to him. He is my, he's, he's starting every week, et cetera. Uh, part of the run game, the short passing game too, which makes him, I think, a little bit more durable than you might think. So, yeah, as long as he keeps getting those catches underneath, and uh, burning people. Um, I'm all for Debo. Those catches underneath and his run game usage had not been like as prolific this year as it had been last year until last night. And it almost seems like the Niners are kind of changing up their approach and they're going full run. 
And like you would think that would maybe hurt Debo from like a target's perspective, but I think he could get some weekly carries. And we saw with Curtis Samuel, if you're a receiver, and even if it's two to three weekly carries, that can make a huge difference in fantasy. So I think you guys both made a lot of interesting points. There's a lot of so Denny laid out a lot of like the like this guy is gonna regress. Like it's hard to argue with that stuff. But I think Rivers makes a really good point. Some guys just always like outperform the model, so to speak. Yeah, I wouldn't I, be shocked if Debo was that kind of player. I will say that sometimes a guy is just special, and and I I, I think that Rivers has a good point there, and that Debo Samuel may 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 be a a model breaker. Well, speaking of players who are just special, Denny Kendrick Bourne. This guy's just a gamer. Um, oh yeah, just a gamer. Um, yeah, I mean, I actually, I love. I, I knew Bill Belichick would love Kendrick Bourne because he he is a dog, man. He goes out there and he just does football things constantly. Yes. And so, yeah, Denny, tell us tell us about Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, I mean, you know, Bourne is 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 getting it done on pretty on low volume. I mean, I mean, there, nobody in the New England, no, nobody among New England pass catchers is, is seeing a lot of volume, um, especially when they play the way they want to play, which is uh, conservative and and on the ground. But, you know, he's got it done. But he is seventh in fantasy points over expectation this season. His 12.2 yards per target is way over his 8.8 yards per target uh, over his five-year career. Um, his yards per route run is, are, is way up this season. And... Concerningly, you know, he's only running a route on two thirds of Mac Jones's dropbacks this season. You know, th- these are things that that can and will catch up unless a player is, like we said, special. I don't know if we're putting Kendrick Bourne uh, in that a group. I think people will be really excited, say, just this week to start him against Atlanta because of the matchup, because of you know just the Falcons just being crushed by pretty much everybody through the air. But the New England game plan could you know, reduce his targets, you know, three, four max. So I, I think that the people could get a little too excited about Kendrick Bourne after his big performance against Cleveland. Well, it sounds like you're just not excited enough about league MVP, Mac Jones, Denny. Um, and this I, is a, a Mac I, Jones I, problem with you. It's true. Uh, Rivers, I mean, so Kendrick Bourne, this is probably quite literally the first time we've ever talked about him on the podcast. Uh, is your gut that we will be talking about Kendrick Bourne more going forward or Denny Wright? This is something that's going to fade or it won't fade away. Just remain highly volatile because the usage just is not that great. Yeah, I'm more of Denny on this one. Uh, I was actually very surprised to see Kendrick Bourne's name in the email. To we were, I, mean, I told I Denny, like, I mean, I, I keep really bringing out names like Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> we're not going to even let you suggest podcast segments. Um, it's back to Pharaoh Brown for Denny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I, I'm always. I'm always for a Pharaoh Brown week. Do we, do we have any Kendrick Bourne stats, uh, Rivers, or is it just, it's just Kendrick Bourne? This is Kendrick Bourne. I don't know, folks. No, no. I, I think when you have a quarterback who has performance like Mac Jones had on Sunday, or like Jimmy Garoppolo had on Monday, honestly, you look at uh, you know very low attempts, but just dominates third downs. That scares me a little bit. Uh, that seems a little unsustainable. And I also kind of think it's one of those things where, you know, you guys are talking about Raiders Chiefs earlier. Uh, Gus Bradley kind of rolls out cover three and is like, that's this is my game plan. I think the Browns are kind of the same way. I think they kind of are a little bit predictable. And I think that kind of ties into Kendrick Bourne. If Mac Jones can throw the pass, the, the touchdown pass that he threw to Bourne every week, I mean, yeah, sure, that's great. That was a hell of a throw. But, yeah, I, I can't I can't bet on that. That's a really good point about the Browns. The Browns are another just totally execution-based team under Kevin Stefanski, and they usually do execute. But then the weeks there where you're not executing, you look horrible. 
and is what happened with the Rams this week. So what happened to the Browns this week. And Kendrick Bourne, too, like we're talking about like weird trends with Debo Samuel. Like a weird Kendrick Bourne trend is not this is now his second straight team where I feel like he's like clearly good in real life. Like a very like he's like an above average NFL football player, but just in a way that does not really translate to fantasy. He's yeah, he's very, very tough. Like which, yep. you know, I, I'm not even saying this is parody. He's like an extremely tough player. That's a really valuable, like real life football trait. But he just is not used in a way that translates to fantasy, and it's it's. I agree with you. It's hard to see that changing. He's uh, Kendrick Bourne has definitely bought into the Patriot way. Yeah, you can say that for sure. <laughs> has Henry, Hunter Henry Denny? Yes. Has he bought into the Patriot way, or has he bought into <laughs> you know the classic touchdown or bust tight end one way? Because every week we're getting nineteen Hunter Henry touchdowns and only seventeen catches. How long is this sustainable? You're asking if Hunter Henry has bought into the Patriot way. I believe Hunter Henry was the guy on the old New England logo <laughs> snapping the ball between his legs. Uh, <laughs> we have to look into that to confirm. But, uh, you know, he first of all, Hunter Henry leads all tight ends and fantasy points over expectation. Uh, and that makes a lot of sense considering he has a 22% touchdown rate this season coming into 2021. Hunter Henry's touchdown rate was 10.7%, which, you know, is good, but it's not 22%. And um, six of his 10 red zone targets have gone for touchdowns. So, I mean, six, we see that sometimes in targets inside the five or inside the 10, but inside the 20 for six of your 10 to go for touchdowns, that's pretty remarkable. He's not unlike like Dawson Knox when Dawson Knox was hot, right? I mean, Knox wasn't, wasn't, piling up catches and yards he was scoring touchdowns and that and that's what you have with with the tight end position outside of travis kelsey and that's pretty much it you know and and not even darren waller is is uh you know inoculated from these uh you know swings touchdown swings so uh you know i mean i think i think you can start henry with john smith ailing uh it it remains to be seen whether john is going to play this week against atlanta so you can feel okay about starting him as a tight end one but he's not going to do it without a touchdown. He's not going to, uh, you know, he's going to what? Maybe get four, five, six points without without that touchdown. I mean, he 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 has not once gone against the formula. He's not. He hasn't once had like a seven catch game with no touchdowns. No. It's it's always two or three catches with one or two touchdowns. And by the way, Denny, I heard you say the word inoculate. Do not get political on this uh, show. All right. You know, I, I how many times do you have to tell you? I thought, oh my God, I, I just got political. I'm going to tell you. Uh, Rivers, oh, I mean, oh, do you wow. have any, uh, get, get political about Hunter Henry, Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure. So I think Hunter Henry actually is a little bit better bet than Kendrick Bourne, only because when you look at the rest of doing one's wideouts in the red zone and you try to pick out who Matt Jones would actually throw to, you're like, Kendrick Bourne, probably not. Obviously, and Keel Hay, my favorite, uh, hasn't panned out. Never for some reason, Jacoby Myers has one touchdown now. He didn't have any for a while. I look at that and I'm like, well, you know, yeah, Hunter Henry's probably the best TD or bus guy you got out there for tight end. I'm not going to say he's tight end two, but I mean, he's tight end 10. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a good point. Hunter Henry, he probably leads a certain tier of tight end where you get beyond the guys. There's not many tight ends that are ever going to have consistent volume. And any given year, it's like seven or eight guys. Maybe one of them now is Dan Arnold. But like after you get beyond like that seven to eight target range, you get into the touchdown or bust guys. Yeah, Hunter Henry is leading that. And as a role, he was he's huge 
large individual. He was, scored a lot of touchdowns for the Chargers too. So it's not like some new like fluke thing for Hunter Henry. Yeah, I, th- I agree. I think he can. That's a, just a really good way to. Phrase. I think he can continue to lead the touchdown or bust tier at tight end. I also agree with Denny that uh, if John o. Smith does come back, like that will cut into it a little bit too. Yeah, Henry's routes have been up since since John o., or were up last week with John o. out. Um, I, I should say quickly as the Dan Arnold apologist here. Um, I would be starting Arnold over Henry uh, in PPR formats. No, we, we know the whole audience knew that. I mean, um, oh, I even I would, I mean, Dan, Dan, I mean, we, we, we try to pen the sicko players on Denny, but the, the fact <laughs> of the matter is everyone here at NBC sports is just like over the moon about Dan. Arnold. Yeah. He, he's no longer a sicko play. He, he has elite usage. Yeah. He actually let's, does. Let's, <laughs> I, I argued this week for Dan Arnold to be wide receiver one on every depth chart. I, I, I think I fell on deaf ears, but <laughs> we, I'm had, saying, we had to remove you from the chat yeah. after that, but that's all right. Yeah. Well, canceled again. I see. Yeah. Nevertheless, uh, <laughs> Rivers. So three, I think what Rivers and I thought maybe this would be Denny was guys who had like really outproduced summer expectations. What you, the exercise you have was very interesting though. Oh, thank you. Thank it's good to get guys in the show like Kendrick Bourne. People wonder about Kendrick Bourne. They yes. wonder about how all the time. No, I mean, they actually do. I mean, unfortunately we're, none of us are well-adjusted people except for the leagues where AJ Dillon was not rostered as Denny and I were talking about earlier, but uh, <laughs> so an offense that is, both from an expected fantasy points perspective, really overachieving, and just from a summer expectation perspective, is really overachieving, is the Bengals. Joe Burrow has really exceeded. You know, we had no idea what to expect with Joe Burrow coming back with his knee. Joe Mixon, we kind of like never know what to expect, I feel like. And Jamar Chase, you know, talk about canceled, was just canceled during the summer and is now mm-hmm. – he's been like a wide receiver one. He is a wide – he's been a top five wide receiver one. And Rivers, I just – what are your thoughts on the Bengals' offense going forward? Two pretty bad games heading into their bye. Some of the Jamar Chase stuff obviously did not feel sustainable, scoring like a 45-yard touchdown every game. The usage has crept up, though. Just how should we feel about the Bengals heading into the stretch run of the fantasy season? I mean, clearly they think Chase is their number one guy at this point, and they're going to target him often. I get that. I don't think that some of his underlying statistics are all that repeatable. Like, his, uh, as I was bringing up Debo's ex-yak earlier, uh, uh, Jamar Chase is second in the league in that one. Uh, I think a lot came on that one slant that he housed against the Ravens, actually. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I do think he is their number one guy. I do think that outside of the Lions, Ravens games, Jets, you know, like they haven't actually played – all that great as an offense. I remember watching that Jaguars game on Thursday night and being like, when is this going to get going? And then finally the sicko Oklahoma play, you know, worked out. So <laughs> I, I, I am a little hesitant with them except for chase right now. Yeah. It's weird that you mentioned the Bengals. Everyone remembers the Ravens game. And of course the, the lions free space, I guess they did take the Packers to overtime, but yeah, unconvincing win against the Steelers, unconvincing win against the Jaguars. And then just, uh, you know, I mean, uh, they've literally lost the New York Jets. Um, <laughs> so it is tough. I mean, Denny, what are your expectations? Yeah. I mean, because Jamar Chase, is weird. the stuff was not sustainable, but I feel like the usage has cra- – he's had multiple, like, 10 target games. Now, I, I just don't know what to think about this team. I like how you had to say literally lost. Like, I mean, like, like literally they didn't figuratively <laughs> lose to the Jets. They actually lost to the I mean, Jets. Anytime you play the, the Jets and you don't win by four touchdowns, it's a figurative loss. Only the Titans can – Figuratively lose to the Jets. That's yeah, true. Yes, <laughs> that is true. 
All right. Uh, so I, I think we might be underselling T Higgins a little bit here over the past three games. T Higgins. Yeah, he had another T Higgins dead ender. I just can't even believe it. <laughs> I'm not a dead ender. I don't even, I don't even have T Higgins anyway. Um, <laughs> so I just, I, I was one of the highlight. There are like the T Higgins movement is strong and vocal. And I wasn't saying you were a part of it. It is it's a strong and vocal movement. It is. Uh, but you know, Jamar Chase uh, movement is as well. Uh, anyway, Higgins over the past three weeks shockingly leads the team in air yards and is only two targets behind uh, Chase during that span. I guess this conversation would be way different and maybe not even happening if Jamar Chase hadn't had a really horrible touchdown drop last time the <laughs> Bengals played. Um, I and, about that. Didn't, you know, I didn't even remember a, that. It was like a 35 yard touchdown <laughs> that just went right through his hand. So that that weighs heavily here but you know i i think t higgins presence is not a problem for jamar chase because he's going to continue to exceed his adp you know like we have to remember where he was drafted especially after the preseason drops and 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 people got down on him and his adp slipped pretty you know what a whole round i think at one point so but you know the this Bengals offense has trended uh more pass heavy since the beginning of the season and you know they're they're over uh, expectation as far as passing goes, pass rate goes um, over the past three weeks. So I think, you know, both Higgins and Chase are are fine going forward, but I'm not underselling Higgins. Rivers, Joe Mixon is someone, I just think he's always such a strange case in fan. He hasn't had a hundred yard rushing game since week one. He's really living off touchdowns. It's been like in like the 12 to 15 carry range every week. Samaji so P. Ryan continues to mix in for like bafflingly large workload and then bafflingly disappears like just as quickly. Do you have a lean on Joe Mixon? Would you consider Joe Mixon an RB one or has this just been kind of fluky with touchdowns? I mean, a mid RB one. Sure. I think he's in that range um, at this point. He is kind of somebody who's always perpetually disappointing though. And I think it's because the Bengals just don't have a real run game. They don't try to marry any kind of zone, with anything else. They don't really do RPOs all that well. Uh, they, they just, Kind of just, here you go, Joe Mixon, run the ball. You're really good, right? And then sometimes it works, and then other times not so much. And, of course, their line's a big part of that as well. But, but yeah, I, I do think that Mixon, at this point, volume-wise, is RB1. And I'm not, like, itching to trade him. But if I get, you know, a really good player, then, yeah, I'd rather have that. <laughs> that's a good – yeah, that's probably a good way to view Joe Mixon. No obvious reason to sell high, but also, like, if for some reason someone in your league, like, loves Joe Mixon – let them love Joe Mixon and take the good offer basically. And you make a point that like, we have basically never talk about is when we talk about running, running backs, we usually just like consider them to be the running game. Uh, we're actually separating Joe Mixon from like the Bengals, like running game concept or lack thereof. Like you said, is a really important point. Cause yeah, every week it seems like they're just doing something kind of like nonsensical and random. Uh, right. Just like it's uh, Samaji Pirine catches nine passes now. Uh, for some unknown reason, <laughs> something he's never done ever as a football player. And so that's a, that is an important point to remember with the Bengals running game. Yeah. Uh, you know, when, when P Ryan was out, I think on the COVID list, Joe Mixon had that big pass catching game against Detroit. So his presence does, you know, is significant for Mixon. It is. But then it was weird after he came back. Now they're, they're almost like Ty Johnson, Michael Cartering, where like they're both getting four to five targets. And I, I just don't even know what to do. With it, but yeah, Joe Mixon's at least he'd always been disappointing without touchdowns. Now he's making sure to disappoint with <laughs> touchdowns, so he's not even disappointing anymore. 
So we just need those <laughs> touchdowns to continue. Now, now, now it's 25 carries and uh, 80 yards and a touchdown instead of just – Yeah, exactly. Touchdown. Instead of 27 <laughs> for 73 and no touchdown. So it's a big change, a big life change for Joe Mixon scoring touchdowns. Rivers, uh, the final player we talked about today, Mike Williams. Talk about like, well, Cooper Cup. By the way, no one has exceeded preseason expectations more than Cooper Cup. I mean, I mean, I know. I mean, Denny thought that Cooper Cup would be Randy Moss, but literally no one else was on that take. Denny had that take all summer, though. Uh, Um, I don't know if I said those words, but yeah. (laughs) Beyond Cooper Cup, though, Mike Williams. (laughs) Was like he, he was a new man. He was the ex receiver, you know, in the Saints offense, so to speak. He was getting eight to 10 catches every week and scoring two touchdowns. Now, over his past four games, the regression has hit hard. He has 10 catches for 137 scoreless yards. Do you have any lean on which Mike Williams we're going to get in the second half of the season? Because his lack of downfield damage has been, I feel like, really costing the Chargers pass offense that just really struggled three of the past four games against when they're, it seems like when they're playing good defensive minds, they're really struggling is what in the world can we expect from Mike Williams? Okay. I have a very tentative lead here. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to preface that with that. It's tentative. I do trust Brandon Staley. I think he's a good head coach. So I think he'll get this corrected, but Joe Lombardi was right out of Detroit for a reason. We all know this. We all know what he tried to make Matt Stafford into Drew Brees. That's kind of what he's doing here, too, with Justin Herbert. And so you've got this offense that, you know, you look at the charts and it's just like a bunch of green dots centered in the first 10 yards. And you're like, Justin Herbert has one of the sickest arms in the NFL. What are we doing here? So triggering. So, so triggering. (laughs) Right, yeah. And I do think eventually we get to or beyond that with the Mike Williams. I do think that I would buy a little bit low on him at this point. Like I see him as as a wide receiver, too. But I'm I'm not like, you know, I don't I don't have it like deep in my gut like this is going to happen for sure. This is just my lean based on I think Brandon Staley gets corrected. The hugely disappointing thing about trying to make Justin Herbert Drew Brees is that last year, I mean, he was hitting deep bombs to just random guys. Basically, he made like Tyron Johnson and Jalen Guyton like viable deep threats, like guys he was hitting for like mm-hmm. forty or fifty yard gains almost every week, and that was. That was only Mike Williams earlier this season. And now without Mike Williams, it's been nobody. They're not taking the deep shots to anybody. So that is a really concerning, kind of confusing, baffling thing about this Chargers offense. And they're also running so much less play action now, which is which is really scary to me. I was hoping that, you know, we had seen a, a shift in, in Mike Williams' usage, like a permanent shift um, from the kind of volatile downfield stuff you know, but if you look at his his box scores and his yards per target through the first what, nine games of the season for for the Chargers, I mean, his yards per target are are pretty low in in many of them, including last week against Minnesota, he had six targets, uh, had a five point five yards per target. So it's not like he's he was only getting these you know downfield prayers from Justin Herbert, and and this is maybe the the problem with him having no ceiling is is that uh what you guys are talking about about um checking like checking down to, to mike williams on these short routes it doesn't make any sense so i, I guess the, the bull case for mike williams would be what river said which is that staley figures this out but other than that there, there's you know numbers wise it, it's looking pretty bleak yeah it's got to be staley ordering a code red over joe lombardi uh you know the grandson of vince lombardi is not going to listen to anybody i'd have to assume uh, so, we, Brandon, we need you to take control of the ship 
and we need you to make Mike Williams a thing again. As, as his as his grandfather would have said, "What the hell's going on out here?" <laughs> <laughs> Rivers, Rivers, do you have any surprise? No more alleys, Brad. No more alleys. No more seals. Just throws. <laughs> just throw it up to Mike Williams, man. <laughs> you, Rivers, do you have any final Mike Williams thoughts? Any surprise witnesses? Any players? Uh, any money you want to talk about? Or are we are we good to put a bow on the show? I'll give you a surprise thing from last week. Cowboys bring back Michael Gallup. Suddenly, CeeDee Lamb starts getting in the slot a lot more. Mm. I think that's pretty promising. That would be highly, highly, highly promising. Something to actually cling to in an offense where I feel like there's nothing. I feel like I'm just guessing every week with CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, and that would be the most amazing thing ever. So Rivers, we're going to put on blast like the preview for this pod. Rivers guarantees CeeDee Lamb <laughs> returning to weekly wide receiver one model. Absolutely. Yeah, he it's saw. Back. He's back. <laughs> yeah, he saw sixteen slot routes against Atlanta, so that that is that is an increase. I, I hadn't noticed that. Nice, nice catch, Rivers. That's why Rivers. That's why he's he's an edger. He's he's one of us. He's uh, despite his love for the University of Houston. Um, <laughs> he's he's a. He's I'm I'm just so happy to not talk about the Texans. Anything anything but the Texans, please. Thank you. Well, Rivers, I got bad news. The Texans are off by this week. I haven't made the schedule yet, but I'm assuming you will be getting paid to watch the Houston Texans, which is better than the alternative of not getting paid to watch the Houston Texans. So barely, yes. That's <laughs> the least I, I saw. <laughs> listen, I, I saw that the that the the media box uh, is empty at, at Texans games these days. I'm not joking. Like this, I'm this is not a bit like. No, like reporters don't come to watch or cover the Texans anymore. So, you know, Rivers, you know, maybe look into that. <laughs> don't worry. They already hate me. That's <laughs> <Okay. laughs> either. Oh, I would expect nothing less what from both do? the yes. Texans and the Texans media uh, hating Rivers <laughs> McCown. The feared Rivers McCown. Um, oh, that yes. is all the time we have for today. Rivers, thank you so much for joining us. Denny, thank you so much for joining us to all the 1890s kids out there. We hope you feel seen after the opening segment of today's show. That's right. we'll, be, we'll be back on Wednesday, the first of our two Week 11 preview shows. We'll finish it up on Thursday. So much great content coming at you all week. For Denny, for Rivers, I'm Pat. We'll catch you later. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.